It's week two for us, uh, this new series. We, we spent about six weeks talking about just the, uh, how do we say this nicely, um, the things that are, have been taking place and growing in the American church that aren't healthy, things that we don't see in the scriptures, things that are not helping us to grow into Christ-likeness, things that are kind of feeding the worst parts of us, and uh, honestly, they become hurdles for us in our ability to follow Jesus. So in this series, we're kind of switching tones. Uh, it would be very easy for me to stay on that previous series for weeks and weeks and weeks. You know, it's, it's the kind of stuff that's been on my mind and my heart as a pastor for many years. I've, I started pastoring because, in my personality, the one thing I really want to do is I want to help people. And the one thing I learned very quickly was there are ways to help people with money. There's ways to help people with their health, with, you know, all sorts of different areas. But the one thing that I noticed at a young age, even in high school, was that most of people's issues all stemmed not from money or food or from clothing, but from what was happening in the inner life, what's happening inside their mind and their emotions. And so it, it always kind of sucked me into the faith. And I began to see how important it was, the ideas we had about God, the way that we saw ourselves, the way that we saw um, the world, and how it was all connected. And so in that, you know, I, I've been focused on these things for a very long time. But the one thing I haven't been able to crack is the code. Okay, so we are able to see the things we need to fix, right? We can see that. But what's the answer, right? And the amazing thing is if you begin to study church history, there are all sorts of different um, groups who've tried to do it the right way, right? To find the perfect way um, you know, for us to do church. And often, uh, especially when I was young, I really loved to teach the book of Acts. I loved the idea of the perfect church. Let's go back to the way we used to do it. Now, I will say, just to be candid with you, that uh, the answers are not just sitting in the scriptures. I wish it were that simple. But there are some things from the scriptures that we're going to use uh, as we move forward. And so the idea of this series for us, as we talk about church for tired people, is I want to lay out our plan for the future. How are we going to go about forming a healthier way of following Christ? The goal for us at Grace Church is to follow Jesus, meaning that from the inside out, we would be conformed, we would change. We would cease to be the people that we were, and we would grow into healthier people, um, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and who knows what, you know. It could even affect our, our finances and our bodies. Who knows, right? This is the idea for this series as we go forward. Now, um, today what I want to talk about is um, spaces the way that a space can affect us. We talked about pace last week, but today we're going to talk about space, right? The idea here is this, that there are ways that a room can affect what goes on inside of you, okay? When you walk into a gym, when you see the weights, is it putting you into a relaxed state? Be quiet, Pastor Zag. It's not a question for you, right? But, the, you know, but for everyone else who's not having issues in our mind, right? It's not a relaxed place. It doesn't put you at ease, right? You walk into this place with the weights and everyone's grunting and sweating and it just kind of puts you, you know, mm, on edge, right? Uh, does a lazy boy recliner turn your mind on to get ready to work and to grind? Yes or no? Come on, you guys got to wake up. You have to work with me, right? No, of course it doesn't, right? These things affect us, right? Have you guys ever walked in to an actual beautiful old church building? An old one. I mean, hundreds of years old. Um, there's a church in Chicago, uh, or favorites, is it 7th Presbyterian? 4th? Okay, 4th Pres in Chicago. 
it's one of my favorite buildings. It survived the um, Chicago fire. So it's one of the oldest churches in the city. And when you sit down in this sanctuary, it just puts you in this space. It, it, it affects the inside space inside of us. It's amazing how it works. The architecture, the wood, the colors of paint, the gold, the, the height of the ceilings, the pitch of the ceilings. Everything is meant to take your eyes and to draw it forward and then to draw it up and up and up and up until you begin to feel small, right? And if you begin to look around on the walls, there are, there's artwork. And if you were to be taught by someone who knew what they meant, you would realize it takes you through the entire gospel story. It was built in a time when there were people who were not able to read Bibles, right? And so this was how we would teach, right? It affects you. The space has a way of affecting what goes on inside of us. So the idea for this, this uh, the sermon, is that there is a space for every pace. We talked about pace last week. We talked about how so much in our lives is trying to get us to always be speeding up too quickly, right? To always be reaching for more and for more and for more, and it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable in our relationships, uh, in work, with our finances, with our parenting, with our friendships, and it's definitely not sustainable in church, right? It's a pace that's too fast, and it demands too much, and it gives us too little. But as Grace Church goes into the rest of this year, and we put our focus on tables, on small groups, on these intimate settings. I want to explain kind of why we're doing this. I want you to, to understand this. Even though we're putting our emphasis on these intimate spaces, I don't want you to think that I see no value in this space. Now, if I were being honest with you, I would say this. This is not my ideal sanctuary. Okay? If I could choose, I would either have a very old, ancient church building that's impractical in every way possible, right? It's awful for children's space. It's awful for meetings. There's no classrooms. It's just all about awe and beauty, right? That's what I would do, right? <laughs> and, of course, the youth and kids pastors would hate me for it, but I would be really happy, right? The, the sound would not work for the guitar and the, you know, Nord. It wouldn't work. But oh my goodness, I could teach some really good sermons in there, right? It'd make me feel good. Now, if it wasn't going to be that space, I would want it to be something that's not churchy at all. I would want some kind of an old theater, some kind of a, you know, industrial plant, something that didn't say church at all. To be honest, this building is an amazing gift from God to this church community. But it does not check any of the boxes I want. It's the exact look I don't want. It tells you the wrong message. It tells you, hey, look, it's church like you've always been to. You already know what goes on in this space. Check out. It's okay. And if you've been paying attention at Grace Church, you know that's anything but what we're trying to accomplish here, right? This room, this space creates the exact opposite impression, the opposite internal experience of what I want it to, to affect you with. But... There are things that can happen in this space, and I'm talking about this space, in large gatherings. Even though, as we go into this year, I will be putting the majority of our focus on putting energy in creating these more intimate spaces, home churches, 
That's where our focus is. But I want to explain something to you. That this space, what I call the corporate space, this has value. There's something about things that can happen here which we have to remember. So if you guys have your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Today's going to be less of a preachy day, more of a teachy day. Teachy, preachy, I hope you, I hope you like teachy. That's what we're going to do today. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. We'll start in uh, the NIV. Here's what it says. So they devoted themselves. If you highlight, if you take notes, circle that right there. This is something that I wish as a pastor I could just hand you. I wish I could hand you what it is to devote yourself to someone or to something. This is the key to meaning, to happiness, to joy, to moving through pain, moving through loss. This word is the key to all of that. To learn as a human being how to devote yourself to a thing. You can honestly devote yourself to something of small value. And it can still pay off dividends for you. There are people who literally in this state live and die for their joy and, and meaning that they come from being fully devoted to the Razorbacks. It's silly, right? There are people who live and die by being devoted to the story that is attached in the American flag. It has power and meaning to them. They can live an entire life off of being devoted to that thing. There are people who are not famous, we haven't heard of them, but they have learned what it is to live their entire life being devoted to a person, to a spouse or to a friend, and they have lived a full life because of that. I think I need to do a whole sermon on this word. Sorry, it's not in the notes, but I had to talk about it. Circle that. Devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship. If you have your, your pen, circle teaching, circle fellowship. To the breaking of bread, circle breaking of bread, and to prayer. There's another one. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Understand the context, right? The context of these signs and wonders taking place, the, the signs and wonders don't come first, right? It doesn't say signs and wonders were everywhere, and then they did these things. These things were the priority. The emphasis is on these things. Oh, and then... There were signs and wonders happening everywhere. Oh, and so all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Now, to, to highlight some of these things, I want to switch this to the message translation. Eugene Peterson was a theologian and a pastor. That is a rare combination. To be a theologian means you literally are spending 9 to 15 years studying ancient texts, okay? It's a, it's, it puts you in a weird world. It doesn't put you around human beings much, okay? And so to be in that world and then to spend, I think it's 50 years pastoring, he has a very unique uh, interpretation. That's why I love the message so much. And uh, he says this. He says, that day about 3,000 uh, took him at his word, meaning uh, the apostle Peter when he preached the first sermon, were baptized and were signed up. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, life together, 
the common meal in prayer. Everyone around was in awe, and all those wonders and signs done through the apostles. And all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony. If you go down to verse 46, they followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. I want you to see that there are two spaces that are highlighted in the book of Acts. Unfortunately, I'm not um, a pastor who believes that you can just take a formula in the scriptures and apply it, and it just folds out. Unfortunately, our cultures are very different. The strengths and weaknesses that are innate to us are very different from the things that we face, that they face. Uh, the, the information, the giftings, the, the opportunities, the temptations are very different, the ones that face us today than the ones that they faced there. But I still believe that these nuggets have amazing value if we could just take them and apply them to where we are. There are two spaces that the first church lived its faith out in. The first one, of course, is the temple. I would call it this space. We're going to call it, for this sermon, the corporate space. These are large gatherings. And understand that this is not a, a corporate space the way that we would understand it. They are still practicing Jews at this time. Okay? They're going to a Jewish temple. But the second space, of course, that we see, this is happening daily, is homes. And if you notice the highlight, not just to meet in a home to pray, not just to meet in a home to teach each other, not just to meet in a home to do spiritual things, the way we would understand it, but the focus of the homes was on the meal together, to eat together. Now, I want us to understand this. While my focus for the rest of this year is on building up this space I want to call the communal space, our homes. The reason that we need to focus on this space as we go forward on our homes is because it's the part of our spiritual lives that we haven't built up yet. If you want to imagine a diet, right? You are carb heavy and you don't have enough protein. Does that work, right? You are someone who has you know, a strong uh, shoulder and chest, but your legs are like toothpicks, right? We need to strengthen the area that's weak. Does that make sense? Okay. We tried tables before um, here at Grace. Um, and honestly, there's one mistake that I made. Uh, I am prone to as a pastor. A mistake I am very prone to that uh, the leaders who work with me know is I am prone to try to give you as much as could possibly help you. And sometimes that means I give you too much. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure if you've ever had a, um, an infant. At some point, that infant needs the nutrition of a T-bone steak, correct? You understand? At some point, there will be an age when they need it, and guess what? They will enjoy it. Beautiful thing, right? But trying to give a T-bone to a two-year-old might not work out well for everybody, Right? And so the first time that we tried tables at Grace Church, I was very blessed in my heart as a pastor to see how many people jumped in because they could see it in the scriptures. They could sense it internally. It was something that they needed. But the thing, we took them one step farther than what they were comfortable with. We, we randomly assigned groups. We, we wanted intentionally to teach them how to gather around Christ and not around likeness. Now, I will say this. Are you seeing today in culture why Christians need to learn to gather around Christ and not around their opinions or their politics or their likeness? Or are you seeing a need for that in this culture today? You better not. <laughs> okay. This is all that we're seeing today right now. 
The country is continuing to divide, especially because Christians are the ones fueling it right now. wouldn't call them Christians. These, whatever they are, evangelicals, we'll say that. They are fueling this divide in the country because they don't know how to center on Christ. All they know how to center on is likeness. They don't know how to be in unity with someone that they disagree with. They don't know how to be the church. And we saw that ahead of time. We were trying to create in Grace Church a church that would learn how to be centered on Jesus, not on our opinions. But it was a little bit too much at that time. So if you are here at Grace and you have heard about the tables and you are hesitant because you're saying, it was a bad experience. You're right, it was a bad experience. Growth doesn't feel good. Challenge doesn't feel good. I'm not sure if you've ever been a part of exercise, if it's running, swimming, lifting. To get to a healthier space always hurts. I don't know what it's like to run very much. I haven't ran since high school. I don't plan to do it again. But I do remember a numbing sensation in my legs. I remember a burning in my chest like someone lit me on fire in the inside. I wasn't interested in that, right? But every time that you would feel that, if you would just press a little further, the next time you ran, you could go a little bit further. I do know what it's like to lift weights, though. And there's a moment where you feel like your body is going to crumble, like your, your muscles are going to snap and you're going to just break. But if you can just survive it just one more rep, the next time you come back, it's easier. And the next time, and the next time, and the next time. So as a pastor, I will say this. The mistake I made last time with tables was I tried to lead us too far too fast. And I apologize for that. But you all experienced that sensation where you knew that we needed genuine community. This second space is something that is missing from us. But before we go to that, I want to explain a little bit about this space, the corporate space, the church building. It is true that Christians did not gather in what we would call a church building for at least 300 years after Jesus. Think about that. And even those gatherings were nothing like what you would consider to be a church service. Part of the reason that they didn't do that was because for about 70 years of that, they considered themselves Jews. And for the rest of the years of that, they were too busy being hunted. They were being attacked and persecuted for their faith, so they didn't really have time to build buildings, right? But it doesn't mean that that wasn't a part of the faith tradition. They tried to gather as much as they could. And here's why. If you're taking notes, here's the things to take notes on. Here are the three things that take place in this setting. Here's why we still need this. If COVID does not change, we will need to get creative and find ways to create a corporate gathering because there are three things that happen here that we need in our spiritual diet. Here's the first one, callings and giftings. I use the word callings to talk about fivefold giftings, meaning people whose lives are called to serve the church. They're given special giftings to serve and teach and guide the church into the fullness. You, you'd know them as pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists, um, the apostles, right? Depends on the church background if you've been taught about them. The problem is in a house church, say if we have 10 people or 20 people, the odds are we're not going to have a whole lot of fivefold people, meaning people whose lives are called to be dedicated to teaching the church. There's not going to be a lot of them in the room. And the odds are there won't be a lot of them who are extremely mature in the room. And so if all I ever have is a small group setting, a house church, there's a part of my diet that I will not get that I need, right? So part of me is going to be malnourished. And so we need to be exposed to this. 
The other giftings that we need to happen in this room are the things we call the spiritual giftings. Uh, if you've ever heard uh, Pastor Larry teach on this, he does a great job, the charis gifts, right? Where the Spirit of God enters into every believer and brings out special gifting, special ways to encourage, to heal, and to build up the church. Again, the reason it's so good to happen in this setting is because we're exposed to more of them, okay? And you're exposed to them in a setting where you have the mature callings, the mature leaders there to kind of make sure it happens in a way that's safe and healthy for everybody. Because sometimes when we're not all, haven't had a lot of chance to grow in our giftings, when we operate, things can get a little bit messy, right? If you grew up charismatic, you know what I mean. Things get a little wild. There's a lot of good and a lot of crazy, and we want a little bit less of the crazy, amen? Does that make sense? I know it's hard. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm just imagining you're really with me. The masks are difficult, aren't they? Colby, you look bored with that mask on. I mean, I, but, but, you know, what I see in my mind is, the, you know, the, the bright pearly whites. That's what I see. So the callings and giftings are the first thing that happens. Here's the second thing that happens in this, in this space. Sacraments. The sacraments happen here. Without sacraments, you have no Christian faith. Long before the Bible... Long before Christians had doctrines, we had practices. We had things that we would do that had meaning inside of them. It would teach us things, right? If you're an American, at a young age in schoolrooms, you start the day by pledging allegiance to a flag. Because that action, putting the hand over the heart, has meaning. Each word has meaning. The colors have meaning. The stars have meaning. It's an action that's loaded with teaching. It's a ritual. It's a sacrament of a nation. And what happens in this space, in the corporate space, is we do sacraments. We do things like baptism, weddings, foot washings, which everyone hates and is scared of, right? Eucharist, right? Because teachings can only get us so far. And there are some things that can only be learned by experiencing them. And the reason they have to happen here, it's hard to do these things in, church, in, in small house churches, is because, again, you might not have someone who's been trained on, okay, so how do we baptize someone? Do I just push them under? Do we hold them? You know, does it matter if I, you know, drip water? What's it matter? You know, who, who knows, right? And so being able to have the mature callings, the mature fivefold giftings available, again, is something that happens in this room and leads us into sacraments that transform us. Here's the last thing that happens in this room. I love the intimate space of house churches, but there's something you can't get there. As much as I will criticize a lot of the things that have come out of the American church and just big church in general, there's one thing that I love that, that has come out of it. Corporate worship. Getting the, the energy, the feeling, the, the giftings even, right? The odds of your house church having... Three gifted musicians is very small. <laughs> having seven is even smaller, right? Of having songwriters is even smaller. There is an exposure to special giftings of God, which when I say giftings, I mean this. A spiritual gift is a way to connect, encounter, experience God in a new way. Songwriters, musicians, these people have the ability to on-ramp us, to connect us to God in ways that we can't do on our own. And the odds of you having that in your house church are slim. The worst thing uh, about COVID from March till now was not being able to have the worship. I mean, I loved that, that the team was faithful to record every week, but the speakers on my TV just don't do it, right? 
There's something about being in a large, uh, a few years back we went to a conference in New York, um, Hillsong Conference. There's not a lot I have in common with most of the pastors and teachers who are there. I didn't go for any of them. I went to worship with a lot of Christians because I love doing that. And it, it, it edifies me. It builds me up. It's powerful. Now, the other space that we have, right? If those are the three things that happen in the corporate space, what are the three things, things that happen in the communal space, a.k.a. your home? Here's the first one, fellowship. Don't you dare look down on that word. The churches I grew up in, we criticized churches that just wanted to hang out, do fellowship, you know? Uh, we had a pastor in our church for many years, um, Pastor Jerry, who would teach on the word kononia, and I loved it when he did. Because he would just begin to open up this word and he'd say, you have no idea what you're missing. If you just think it's just hanging out, you're missing it. Now, uh, I did teach this a few years ago. You guys remember? I won't say what the word is because it's a little bit graphic for children. But uh, we'll just say it's the deepest form of connecting to human beings without physical touch. How about that? Does that work for you? <laughs> Sorry, I had to tone down my uh, translations, right? But it is the, a space where we deeply connect in every part of ourselves to other people, meaning you probably haven't experienced this. Most Christians have never experienced true kononia before because they didn't know it was essential to being a Christian. Essential to being a Christian. Again, I, I wish I could go back and preach on this, but again, uh, verse 42, they devote themselves to the apostles' teachings and to what? Fellowship. This is not just a thing that we just kind of do. This is one of the things that we do as believers, right? And so in this place, think of a very simple uh, idea of friendship as this. Uh, fellowship is friendship that's been baptized by the Spirit of God. To be in a relationship with someone where you have to hide nothing. It's not just your spouse, but a friendship. You have nothing to hide and everything to gain and to share. Here's the second thing that happens in a communal space. As we build this up, as we go through the rest of the year, here's what I want you to think about. Confession and burden carrying. It doesn't sound exciting to you, does it? No. But this is what it is to be a Christian. This is what it is to be a part of a church, is to enter into spaces where people can literally take their pain and their fears and their hurts, and they can say, here, would you help me carry this? The second most used metaphor in the Bible for sin is weight. Think about that. All the verses of sin in the Bible, the second most used picture or image is of a heavy weight that someone is carrying by themselves. And what we see in the New Testament is we are called to carry the weight together. That you come to me and I carry your weight with you. I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but this, this setting is not it. This, it cannot happen here. I remember how hungry my church used to be, the churches I grew up in. We used to love the altar call. And I never realized why we needed it so much until I got to this place, until I started pastoring. We had no other space in our church life where we could confess our sins and let someone be there with us in it. Yes, we loved the words. Yes, we loved affirmation. But we had nowhere else in our lives to allow someone else into the most painful spaces in our lives, to live life with us, to be devoted to each other. Worship team, if you guys want to come on up, 
as I kind of hit this last one. And the last thing that happens in this intimate space that we call the home is prayer. You know, in the churches I grew up in, prayer often was just about big stuff, right? It was always about, you know, know, we used to pray to the, you know, the uh, directions on a compass a lot, to the south and to the east, you know. (laughs) That was funny to me. I was there. If you were there, you'd think it was funny too. But we used to pray at directions and at winds and all sorts of stuff, right? And then often the the hardest places to, to, to pray were when people would actually get vulnerable. I remember everyone would get uncomfortable. When someone would actually break down and be like, this is what's going on, you would have this moment where people are like, whoa, that's an overshare. That's a little too much, right? And I remember we'd have services where there'd be a minister who's operating in the gifts, and you'd have someone just start breaking down, crying and screaming, and everyone just felt in the room like, this is just not the space for it, right? We used to have ushers who are trained to usher people out because, you know, we don't want you to be distracting. Now, you know, there's a lot of reasoning behind all that, and it, 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 it doesn't all come from bad places. But one of the things that was happening there was that people were breaking down with weights they couldn't carry. And the problem was they had nowhere else to hand these weights. They had nowhere else to share these with people. See, back then, we only had corporate space. We had no communal space. We had no space to be honest with each other. We had no space to confess to each other. We had no space to affirm each other. No space to actually know each other. Pastor I've been talking to a lot here in the last few weeks. They've been going through a lot of challenges in their church. He was telling me, you know, I, just to this app that we're using, Marco Polo, he says, I'm learning how to be slow with you and to pay attention to you. I'm, I'm actually getting to know you. In this setting, we can't be slow with each other. There's too many of us. One of the things I literally hate about coming to service is that I only have time to kind of say hi to you and then I have to move on to the next person. And if I don't, someone gets their feelings hurt. And I have to just kind of move around. Because what I love to do is to grab coffee and just sit. Because this is where you get to know someone. In a setting that has a slow pace. And so as we go forward into this year, we are focusing on entering into spaces that have a very slow pace. As we go into these homes, I want you to, to learn that we're not out to do a bunch of things here. We're going to eat together. We're going to be honest, confess to each other. When it's right, there's no pressure. You don't have to be messed up every week, right? And then we're going to be there with each other. If it's prayer, it's prayer. If it's meeting physical needs, we're going to meet physical needs. If there's a building to pay, we're going to pay the bill together. We're going to be there together, and we're going to devote ourselves to each other. And the hope is when all this is over, or when we get back to some kind of normal, that we'll come back with a balanced, healthy, spiritual diet. We get to get back and get all of the things that come in this space, and we get to be nourished from the things that we never had in our spiritual diet things that we were always supposed to have from the scriptures. Mm. So Father, we just ask that as a church that you would prepare our hearts and minds. Vulnerability is scary and overwhelming and I ask that you would help it to not help us to not run. 
Help us to not hide. I ask, Spirit of God, that you would teach this faith community at Grace Church how to be vulnerable together. How to devote themselves to life lived together, centered on Jesus Christ. And everyone said,